Welcome to Words to Live By, a podcast series hosted by the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation and Institute. Each week, we will share some of the wit and wisdom of Ronald Reagan. In essence, Words to Live By, made up of radio addresses and speeches he delivered from the 1960s through the 1980s. Throughout his presidency, the subject of Cuba was frequently raised. In frustration, on one occasion, the president asked, well, when's the last time you heard someone swimming to Cuba? But long before he sat in the Oval Office, Ronald Reagan commented on a documentary that had been crafted on Cuba. And he did so in order to bring attention to the idea of false reporting and an effort to cover the truth. Let's listen to this radio address. It was delivered 49 years ago in 1975. When a documentary deals with fiction rather than fact, it really isn't a documentary, is it? I'll be right back. The very word documentary makes you think of research and of factual material painstakingly collected, and those who read or see a documentary are entitled to believe they've been given an objective, thoroughly documented treatise on whatever the subject might be. Not too long ago on this program, I discussed Cuba, and gave some requirements I thought should be met before Uncle Sam welcomed that unhappy island back into the family of American nations. Now that was an editorial, an expression of opinion with which you could agree or disagree. Since then, one of our TV networks has presented, with a certain amount of fanfare, a quote, documentary, unquote, and question mark. It was called Cuba, the People. Was it really a documentary, or was it an editorial? Basically, the message was that soon Cuba will no longer be an underdeveloped country thanks to the success of socialism. The question is, how and when did Cuba become an underdeveloped country? Prior to Castro, Cuba led all its Latin neighbors in standard of living, literacy, and any number of other desirable indicators. For example, Cuba had more doctors in proportion to population, more automobiles, higher per capita income, more TV broadcasting and ownership of TV sets, more newspaper circulation, and even greater attendance at movies. In movie-going, they were second only to us, which means they were second in the world. The so-called documentary was of Cuba today. It showed farmers plowing with oxen. Now, I don't know how widespread that is, but mechanized farming had reached a pretty high level back in Cuba, B.C., before Castro. Let me read some lines from what has to be considered a real documentary. A report issued in May 1962 by the Economic Research Service of the U.S. Department of Agriculture. The report was entitled, Agriculture and Food Situation in Cuba. Quote, in 1958, Cuba was self-supporting in many foodstuffs such as meat, poultry, fish, eggs, milk, butter, tubers, vegetables, coffee, and fruits, of which there was a great variety and abundance. In the season, oranges were sold in pushcarts in Havana, peeled, iced, and ready to eat at three, four, or five for a nickel. Under communism, food ration cards were introduced before the third year of the revolution expired. Oranges have become so scarce that they can only be purchased in pharmacies with a doctor's prescription, unquote. I don't know whether the makers of the documentary intended to sell us socialism or whether they were just set up by their Cuban hosts, but a truly objective documentary would have made it plain that the Cuba of today is not anywhere near as well off or economically sound as it was before Castro imposed communism on the people. Indeed, there's every reason to believe Cuba would be in real trouble without the sizable subsidy it gets from the Soviet Union. These days, when we're flooded with so many words on every subject, 
we need to check out some of those words before we accept them as gospel, including the use of the word documentary. And that goes for my words, too. Make sure you've heard all the facts before you make up your mind. This is Ronald Reagan. Thanks for listening. So, what is the truth about Cuba? Well, here it is, straight from the heart of a Cuban. His name is Armando Valladares, one of the individuals celebrated in our Voices of Freedom exhibit in the museum. Valladares was a Cuban postal employee who spent 22 years in prison, accused of being a counter-revolutionary. He, he actually supported Castro initially, but was deeply opposed to the suppression of religious rights. So when he voiced his objections, he was arrested. And he described his confinement as 8,000 days of struggling to prove that I was a human being. 8,000 days of proving that my spirit could triumph over exhaustion and pain. After an international campaign of support, he was released in 1982, moved to the United States. President Reagan appointed him to serve as U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations Commission on Human Rights. Well, let's hear it straight from him. This is Armando Valladares. The treatment of prisoners in Cuba, it's cruel, inhuman, degrading. When I was named ambassador, U.S. ambassador to the Human Rights Commission, President Reagan told me at that time, I have for you the impossible task. Try to show the international community that Cuba is a dictatorship that tortures and violates human rights. With the help of many people and the help of God, we were able to send a commission of ambassadors of human rights people to Cuba, and we were able to show that Cuba tortures, that Cuba violates human rights constantly. And even the Ambassador Herga still say not a single article of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights that Cuba does not violate daily and systematically. From then on, Castro has been in the accused bench among the many, many countries that violate human rights. I have been the victim for 18 years of the insensitivity, of the ignorance, and of the silence, and the complicity of the rest of the world. Amnesty International discovered that there were political prisoners in Cuba when I had already been in prison for 18 years. I had been in labor camps. I have seen the deaths of my friends. I'd seen torture, I'd seen hunger strikes, and all of this was a product of that double standard that has allowed the rest of humanity to classify dictatorships. There's no such thing as a good dictatorship. All dictatorships are repugnant. And I always say that trying to establish differences between dictatorships is like trying to establish differences between one bank robber that maybe has robbed five banks and another that has robbed 20 banks. More about President Reagan's address on the anniversary of the Cuban Revolution, delivered 40 years ago, right after this short message. We'll be right back. The Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation is the nonprofit organization created by President Reagan himself and specifically charged by him with continuing his legacy and sharing his principles. Individual liberty, economic opportunity, 
global democracy, and national pride. We must remain vigilant and work together to share these conservative principles with younger generations. Your role is critical to move our mission forward. Thank you for your continued support. Please visit reaganfoundation.org give. That's reaganfoundation.org give. Now, back to the story. So by January 1984, the subject of Cuban efforts to expand communism was front and center after the liberation of Grenada in the fall of 1983, just a few months earlier. President Reagan believed strongly that the most effective way to fight oppression was with the truth. You've heard of Radio Free Europe, but what do you know about Radio Marti? In the early 1980s, the U.S. government planned to create a radio station to be known as Radio Free Cuba, modeled on Radio Free Europe and Radio Liberty, with the mission of fighting communism in the hope of hastening the fall of Cuban President Fidel Castro. The station was renamed Radio Marti after Cuban writer José Marti, who had fought for Cuba's independence from Spain and against U.S. influence in the Americas. At the urging of President Reagan, Radio Marti was formed, but against opposition from North American broadcasters. Yes, they objected strenuously to the establishment of Radio Marti, fearing that its broadcasts would lead Cuba to retaliate by jamming existing commercial medium-wave broadcasts from Florida. You never realize, when you're trying to do something positive, that there are so many other people who are objecting to it. Well, on May 20th, 1985, Radio Marti began broadcast to Cuba from the United States. The first day of broadcasting was chosen to commemorate the 83rd anniversary of Cuba's independence from the United States rule on May 20th, 1902. The fears of broadcasters proved well-founded. When Cuba-based transmitters briefly broadcast powerful signals on the medium-wave band in 1985, disrupting U.S. AM radio station broadcasts in several states. Even today, Cuba continues to broadcast interference against U.S. broadcasts specifically directed to Cuba in attempts to prevent them from being received within Cuba. Let's hear from President Reagan on January 5, 1984, as he addressed the people of Cuba. On behalf of the people of the United States, I would like to extend New Year's greetings to the people of Cuba. We know you're marking an historic anniversary on your island. 25 years ago, during these early January days, you were celebrating what all of us hoped was the dawn of a new era of freedom. Most Cubans welcomed the prospects for democracy and liberty, which the leaders of the Cuban Revolution had promised. Such a free and democratic Cuba would have been warmly welcomed by our own people. We're neighbors in a hemisphere that has been characterized by the quest for human freedom. Government, which rests upon consent of the governed, is a cardinal principle that enshrines the dignity of every individual. We share many of the same ideals, especially a common longing for a world of peace and justice. We are both proud peoples, proud of what we've achieved through our own efforts. But tragically, the promises made to you have not been kept. Since 1959, you've been called upon to make one sacrifice after another. And for what? Doing without has not brought you a more abundant life. It has not brought you peace. And most important, 
It has not won freedom for your people. Freedom to speak your opinions, to travel where and when you wish, to work in independent unions, and to openly proclaim your faith in God, and to enjoy all these basic liberties without having to be afraid. Cuby's economy is incapable of providing you and your families your most elementary needs, despite massive subsidies from abroad. But your leaders tell you, don't complain, don't expect improvement, just be ready for more sacrifice. In the meantime, over half a million of your fellow citizens have migrated to the United States, where their talents and their hard work have made a major contribution to our society. We welcome them, and we're proud of their success. But we have to wonder, what would Cuba's economy be like today if those people had been allowed to use their great talent, drive, and energy to help you create prosperity on your island? The most important question remains, where is Cuba heading? If it were heading toward greater welfare and freedom for your people, that would be wonderful. But we know prisoners of conscience, convicted for their political activities, have been languishing in Cuban prisons, deprived of all freedom for nearly a quarter of a century. Never in the proud history of your country have so many been imprisoned for so long for so-called crimes of political dissent as during these last 25 years. Others convicted of political crimes this past year can expect to be in prison well into the 21st century if the present system in Cuba survives that long. You may not be aware of some of these things I've just told you, or will tell you in this brief message. You may also be unaware of many other things you have the right to know. That's because you are systematically denied access to facts and opinions which do not agree with your government's official view. But why are your leaders so unwilling to let you hear what others think and say? If the power of truth is on their side, why should they need to censor anyone's views? Think about that. Yet, while they supervise every word you hear, every picture you see, your authorities have free access to our news services in the United States and around the world. We don't believe in censorship. So to correct this injustice, the Congress of the United States has authorized the startup soon of a new radio service on the Voice of America named for your great Cuban patriot, Jose Marti. The objective of the Radio Marti program will be simple and straightforward. Tell the truth about Cuba to the Cuban people. We want you to know what you haven't been told. For example, about the situation in Grenada. When Grenada's Prime Minister Bishop was killed, the Governor General, as well as the majority of the English-speaking Caribbean, asked for our assistance in protecting them. Why didn't they ask for Cuba's assistance? Well, the sad truth is, they wanted to be protected from the Cuban government. The United States and other Caribbean forces were welcomed by Grenadians as liberators. The rest of the world has seen the evidence of the popular outpouring of support for our action. Cuban lives could have been saved if your government had respected the will of the Grenadian people and not ordered your soldiers to fight to the death. Fortunately, the great majority of your personnel in Grenada did not obey those orders. One of your government officials said in September 1982 that 120,000 Cubans have carried out international missions through the Revolutionary Armed Forces alone. They have been sent to countries in four continents. You're never told how many of them are killed, 
How many families lose loved ones for a cause they have no right to resist? What mission or vital interest does Cuba have which can possibly justify this loss of life in such faraway lands? These are not pleasant questions, but they deserve answers. I hope you'll contemplate them with care. At the beginning of this new year, let us pray that the future will be kinder than the past. And may that better future begin soon for all of you in Cuba. Feliz Año Nuevo, y que Dios los bendiga. Today, Radio Marti broadcasts a 24-hour radio program over shortwave transmitters in Delano, California, Greenville, North Carolina, and a medium-wave transmitter in Marathon, Florida. Its studios are located in Miami. Still, Cuba jams both the medium-wave and short-wave signals, but the short-wave program is heard in Canada and throughout Central and South America. Radio Marti operates with about 100 employees and a budget of about 15 million. Its mission, in its own words, is to provide a contrast to Cuban media and provide its listeners with an uncensored view of current events. Former prisoners in Cuba and Cuban exiles often speak on Radio Marti and on Saturdays, a Spanish language version of the U.S. President's weekly radio address, as well as the opposition's response, are transmitted. Thank you for listening. For more information on the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation and Institute, including information on how to become a member, information on upcoming exhibits at the Reagan Library, and more information on the legacy of President Reagan, please visit reaganfoundation.org. And don't forget to like and follow the Reagan Foundation on all social media platforms. Don't forget to subscribe to the Words to Live By podcast in your iTunes or Google Play stores and on other podcast platforms as they become available. New episodes of Words to Live By come out every Tuesday. Like what you hear? Check out our A Reagan Forum podcast featuring great speeches delivered at the Reagan Library. New episodes drop every Thursday. And... Don't forget to follow at Ronald Reagan on Facebook, at Ronald Reagan 40 on Twitter, and Reagan Foundation on YouTube. Also, search for us on SoundCloud and Stitcher.